folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlson and Sean. Carlson, we've got, it feels like, I don't want to say it's new because, you know, you and I have been sports writers around here for a long time and we've obviously gone on air after plenty of Lions losses, but it does feel a little bit different. You know, the Lions had won four in a row. They go into Baltimore. They they get a touchdown late. It's not much of a game. I think it's a, a jolt to the system a little bit. But but yeah, so here we are under different circumstances. We want to we want to break it down a little bit and not too much because we're getting away from it and, and look ahead. And then in this and then the next segment, Carl, so we're talking about your favorite school, the University of Michigan, and just all the shenanigans that they're accused of <laughs> over there. And, and if you want to talk about bad trivia night games at Michigan State Stadium. And you know, dictators appearing on scoreboards. We can, we can, we can do that too. If you, I know you're no shaking your head. <laughs> yeah, no, it's no, been, no. It's one, been a no tough week for football in Michigan, hasn't it, Sean? It's it sure has. I think we talked about this on the other podcast, but at one point it was seventy-seven and nothing. If you're a Michigan State fan, a Lions, an Lions fan, <laughs> oh, yeah, the a tough weekend. If you're a Michigan fan, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, now, now that you've had a couple of days to think about what happened, you listen to Dan Campbell's press conference Monday. He it had 24 hours or so to uh, think about what happened, go over the film. I mean, what's what's your sense coming out of, you know, the news the other day, his thoughts, and just how this team's going to respond? You know, he could, I, you know, I wrote about it that, you know, if he'd been a racehorse, he would have been, you know, nickering. He probably would have been biting the jockey or whatever. His nostrils would have been flared. He wasn't, there wasn't an anger to him on Monday, but there was this, like, unsettled feeling about him this this aggravation you could just sense it and you know he talked about it being frustrated and being angry and stuff and that nothing went right right if you guys if like we've said you know if, if, if anybody watched our or listened to our podcast and our youtube video from the game sunday when sean invited me over to his house and he watched it with his two sons and they kept talking about <laughs> I don't even want to watch this or whatever and this and that. And I've said this before to a lot of fans, like you guys have the luxury of turning it off and going to rake leaves or we, yes, we're being paid to watch this and write about it, but we have to stick through it. I stuck through all 0 and 16. Like you, you, you don't get to turn it off sometimes as you know, ever as you, as a sports writer. So you could sense the frustration. And for those fans who watched that game through its entirety, you know that nothing went right. It just, it just offense, defense, everything was just terrible. They couldn't get anything going. You know, I kind of kidded with Dave Briquette. He, he does his grades after every game and the defense got straight Fs. Somehow he managed to give, I think the running backs maybe an A minus and I, I don't know, the receivers or something, a B. Jameer Gibbs played his best game in some ways. It was just, it was just kind of a lot. I mean, he looked better. That's the best he's looked. Following his blocks, he looked more fundamentally, he looked more relaxed. I think we talked about that during the game. So that's not shocking, right, Carlos? It just got lost in a thirty-eight to six. Well, yeah, but also how much of that time, how much of that came in garbage time at the end? You know, when the Baltimore, when the Ravens were playing more of a soft zone and stuff, and like, sure, go ahead and run the ball, run some clock down. You know, I, I don't, I don't think he was doing a heck of a lot at the beginning of the game. When they're going three and out, three and out, you know, like, yeah, you could see a little bit of like here, an improvement, you know, a play here and there and Josh Reynolds catch, whatever. But, but just, you know, how you score six points and then the offense doesn't get a straight up. I'm not sure either. I would say Jack Fox was the one guy who probably stood out the punter, but it's just, it, it was terrible. Right. So this does feel different. And, and, and Campbell, he said it very you know, some coaches are very coachy, you know, very rah-rah, very, you know, not in our house and I blah, blah, blah. I'm going to make sure it's not going to happen. And, you know, the the famous Dennis Green, you know, they're the, if you, if you want to crown them, crown them, you know, whatever. Like, the, you know, we know who they were and we let them off the hook and all that stuff. Campbell's not like that, but there was this quiet sort of confidence or or, or determination in him resoluteness about it that he said this isn't going to happen again we're this is not going to happen this next week it's not 100 percent. it's not going to happen and they may not i mean they play on monday night they host them host the raiders on monday night who knows they could lose anybody could lose any week but i don't think they're going to get a no-show performance like this maybe again this season and like you talked about it you wrote about it too that you know, maybe they need some adversity. Campbell had mentioned that. 
And if it has to come, maybe it's better that it comes in the what seventh game of the season versus the seventeenth game when when things matter more. No, for sure. And and it's interesting. There are a couple things that stood out to me with with Dan Campbell and what he said Monday, but also after the game on Sunday, which we weren't uh, privy to when we recorded on Sunday. So I, I want to mention that here. It's 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 interesting to me, Carlos. Well, first of all, let me let me say this about about Campbell and Monday before I make the the larger the larger point here. He just is he, you're talking about his demeanor and so forth. The willingness he has to sort of share at least part of the way he thinks, the process he thinks, the second guessing that we all do, every one of us. We all second guess ourselves, question ourselves, think about, okay, how could I have done that better? Boy, did I make a mistake there? The, the fact that he's willing to get up, uh, stand up on a podium and get before the microphone and, and speak like that, it just it speaks to a few things. One, he's comfortable with himself, right? I mean, he's not, he's not afraid to admit that he's still got things to learn. And, you know, you heard him Monday. He was talking about how he structured the previous week's practice. He felt like, uh, with the the nature of the physicality of the teams they played to that point before Baltimore, just what they've been through that he wanted to give them a light Wednesday. And they just sort of basically had a kind of a walkthrough. They, maybe he said they threw a few routes, so a little bit of that, but there was no real contact. And it only lasted about an hour, and then they talked and probably watched some film and so forth. But the fact that he stood there Monday and said, you know, that might have been a mistake, that thinking about Lamar Jackson – we probably should have had more contact. We should, probably should have repped this out and repped that out uh, more than we did. The fact, Carl, before I make my other point about Campbell, I just wanted to ask you about that. What, what do you think that says about him as a coach, just his willingness to do that? It is, it is why the media likes him so much. <laughs> I mean, let's just be real. I think if you're a fan, too, you appreciate that honesty, that, that willingness to share and he does this. He does this all the time from the very beginning, from the very beginning of, of, you know, talking about when he forgot to schedule the joint practices, which, by the way, as we've come to learn or I've come to learn, at least is he considers those joint practices apparently more valuable than the preseason games. Like he loves these joint practices. So for him to have fumbled that logistic and admit uh, we're not having them, not because they just didn't happen or couldn't get on the same page with another team, but because I screwed up. I screwed up. I didn't realize as a first-time rookie head coach, you know, in full control, I didn't realize we had to schedule them way early in advance. And then when he, you know, cut Don Mulebach on his birthday, and then the next day said, you know, I'm a, you know, bleep hole for doing that. He owned it. You know, he just... There's, it speaks to his introspection, his his self awareness, his willingness to be pretty honest. I mean, when you know, with the standards of coaching and how much people are scared to say too much or the wrong thing, you know, he's he's pretty forthcoming. And I think that's that is the magic of Dan Campbell. It's not the rah rah, you know, we're gonna the Newt Rockney speech. That's not why players like him and respond to him. That's not why the media, that's not why people respond to him. It's because he's a genuine person. You know, he's, that's hard to find. It's, it's, it's uncommon in today's sports landscape. So yeah, it says a lot. And it also says it to me, it, it gains your trust. If he's willing to be this honest and he's thinking about, should I have done it? Should I have not? And I'm sure he's talking to his coaches and, you know, throwing, bouncing things off them. What do you think? Should we, should we not? Should he be as heavy this week? Should he go full pads? Should we, you know, cause it's a, it's a tough balance, right? In the, as you get into the season of how much, how much physical, you know, contact do you need in practice? Cause there's also the risk of injury. So I'm, I'm, that to me says a lot about why he's a good coach because he thinks a lot about, you know, what is necessary. If you guys remember, in the hard knocks clip last year when he was telling them about going hard and going in, in, in full pads in the summer and the heat, he knows it's hard. He was a player and he says, I promise, he told them, I promise you, I wouldn't make you do this unless I thought it was absolutely necessary for us to get prepared and get to where we want to be in our preparation. And that says something because sometimes some of these coaches are like little tyrants. If you guys remember Rod Marinelli, and I think this is before there were more rules in place and leave for protocols for practicing. But he used to pat, like late in the year, he would pad them up like three straight days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know. 
it was just, I don't know what, he had to prove something to himself and I'm the general and this and that. Like, it's stupid. That's why, that's the kind of guy who goes 0-16. So Campbell's not that guy. He's the opposite of that. So that's that says a lot to me. No, it does. And the other, the other thing that sort of stood out to me, and he said this after the game Sunday, and then said some couple of comments that were related, I think, during his, his weekly Monday press conference. And again, this comes down to coaching. And I think it's relevant in terms of the perspective that, that we have in the media, that the fan base has, and what the Baltimore game meant. And and I wrote about this a little bit, too. There, there's a point in his Sunday postgame press conference where he starts to say, we're not and he was going to fill in the blank about what they're not, about what they're not capable of. And he said, we're not that. And then he paused briefly and then said that again and said that type of team. And it was in the context of if everybody's not doing their job, and I know that's a cliche in football, but there's a lot of truth to it, right? If you don't have all 11 guys doing their job, the implication is we're not good enough, right? We're, 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 not, we're not good enough. But he didn't want to say that. But he kind of was saying it, but he, he didn't want to say it outright. And I don't think it's because he's trying to protect his players in any way. Just he has a good sense of, because we've heard him be really frank about this player needs to do X, Y, Z to get better. He's not afraid to say that, right? But it's just the way he goes about it, and it's the tone. So on Sunday, and there's a frustration of that loss and that performance. He realized he was thinking more about what he had not done, what he, how he had not taught them or prepared them or whatever, and the staff, as opposed to, you know, kind of wish the roster was a little bit better and that's going to leak out the side of my mouth. He, he wasn't going to do that. So, But at the same time, he did say when he said, he is saying when he says we're not that type of team, that they're not quite there yet. I mean, you know, you and I were joking. We had headlines the week before about Super Bowls and number one seeds. And it's, and it's understandable because the fan base is just, it's been a while to feel this way. So they're getting really excited. And that's, it's just, that's human nature to it, to, to a degree. But I, I, I wanted to get your take on that because not just his strategy and how he relayed the information and he kind of doubled down on that a little bit Monday at a couple of spots, but just, it's not that he wants to reset the, the perspective, the, the expectation. He's not trying to do that at all. Maybe we need to do rem, remind folks a little bit of that, you know, because everything is still out there. The division, the home playoff game, all that. But, but it, it it is a reminder what we saw and how he said and talked about after the game, Carlos, and then Monday of what this team really is. Right? They're still a good team, but they're 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 probably not as talented yet as the two or three or four elite teams in the league. Yeah. And that's, you know, that him stopping himself, I think is as he was, he's probably had a little like, like in the cartoons, a little bubble picture of Brad Holmes in there. And like, I can't throw, basically saying this is kind of throwing Brad under the bus a little bit. We're not good enough. We're not talented enough. You know, as, as Brad spits out his coffee or whatever, does a spit take, like, what do you mean? We're not good at, you know, because the roster I'm giving you. So, you know, they're coworkers. They're, they're, they, you have to, you have to be careful of what you say. And, but he's, he's right. If he did actually imply that, uh, you know, they're not good enough. They're not, they're not deep enough. They're not so good. They're not a, they're not world beaters right now. They're a very good team and they have a lot of good players, promising players. They've got some good role players, but they just aren't like this. You know, we can, we can, miss a beat and still beat a really good team on, on the road. And, you know, the one thing that he can't say that he wouldn't say is that, is that you have to look at it from the other side sometimes. And even though they always give each other, Oh, that's a good team, blah, blah, blah. Everybody gives each other respect. The Ravens were motivated. And I wrote about that, you know, that super motivated. Yeah. And part of it is the lines and yeah, probably the preparation and the coaches and they could have done more, whatever it's also hard to stay in the red line all the time and i think that's the that's what what makes something someone like the patriots what they did their run anytime these teams get on runs the steelers and the patriots and whatever and they stay there for years that's incredible because they're such a powerhouse team really good teams but they get everybody's best shot oh, the patriots are coming we're got to play the patriots we got to play brady we got to play belichick we got to play you know i mean they get their best shot and that's what's hard when you're like when you know 
when you're the king and everybody's, you know, like the, the old gunslinger and everybody's coming for you, everybody, everybody's trying to make a name, you know, against the gunslinger, the top dog, that's hard to, to maintain that status. And the Ravens definitely, Harbaugh got them to really buy into the, hey, people, people are saying this team's better. People, th- this is the number one team. This is the number one defense. This is the, they're, they're on the rise. There's, there's headlines out of Detroit about they know how to knock people out and the Super Bowls and stuff and number one seed in their, in the conference. And so are they going to come into M and T bank stadium and push us around, you know, and, and they, they, there was something to that. They were motivated to show we're for real. And also, as you pointed out, you know, in our questions and in our, in, in our, our post game podcast is it clicked finally with, with it. This is what. Lamar Jackson, all the questions, we get the transcripts from these teams, you know, we're able to look at the questions and the answers after the, in the post game. And a lot of them were for uh, the offense of, you know, for Harbaugh and for Lamar and for, you know, the, uh, the other guys, Gus Edwards running back, like, is this what this offense can be? Is this what we've been waiting for? Cause now that Lamar is trying to be, a, you know, in the pocket, traditional, more quarter, you know, pocket quarterback instead of running and getting hurt. And missing time. And this is like, yeah, you guys finally did it. And you did it against one of the best defenses in the NFL. So this is a huge feather in their cap. And then one of those headlines in Baltimore was it was a statement game, you know. But that that alone is pretty incredible, right? That the Lions are a statement it is. game it's crazy. for anybody. It's, it, no, it's <laughs> it's crazy. No, it's 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 really something. It's and it hadn't been that long. We're talking about what, six what, seven weeks into the season? And yeah, yeah. We're, folks are running around talking about statement games <laughs> and so on and so forth. But no, I just, and by the way, real quickly, thinking about New England, and I don't want to go off on a, a tangent here necessarily, but the Lions, to your point, the Lions are going to have to get used to that. Some of that's going to be, okay, they're the national darlings, and yeah, these guys are upstarts, we want to show them. But in order to build a program, and, and Dan Campbell's talked about this, he mentioned it with, I think he used Pittsburgh and Baltimore as examples, and he's been pretty consistent about that since he was hired, that those are two programs. I like the way he says programs. It's like college. College. That, yeah, that, that he wants to emulate, that they want to you know build like. You know, New England's a little bit different because you get, you get Tom Brady, and Pittsburgh and Baltimore have done it. They've been consistently good on and off for a long, long time with different quarterbacks. So New England's a little bit more of an outlier, kind of like Kansas City. But one thing about New England, you you were talking about everybody getting their best shot or giving New England their best shot. Not only that, because they were so successful year in and year out, they got the schedule. They got the kind of schedule the Lions, for example, don't have right now. Yeah. You know, the more you win, the the tougher teams you're going to face by and large. You know, some teams can unexpectedly fall off. But to do that year after year after year, knowing how tough that schedule was is is also going to be part of it if the lines want to get to where they're going to go they're going to have to face a lot of that don't you think absolutely absolutely they're going to have to do that and they're going to get that that's why this that's the one the biggest concern to me about this game and i i didn't do a good job of phrasing my question for for campbell about this yesterday or monday was you know is this the difference across the board but especially with him as a coach of you know, Harbaugh, Jim, John Harbaugh has won a Super Bowl, won numerous playoff games. He knows how to get his team ready for games that matter. This is something Campbell hasn't done. You know, they, he, they've played big games, of course. You know, there's lots of big games in the NFL for tension. You know, the season opener, the Green Bay game, all that. But a game that determines your future, you know, that you have to win this to advance or to win the division or whatever. They haven't played those games yet. and that's and this is a this is a good example of that because the Ravens are gonna they're they're they're, they're gonna make the playoffs. They're a very good team, and they it was such a slap down, such a such a it wasn't it wasn't we got beat by Justin Tucker, you know, on a sixty six yarder. It was we didn't we weren't even on the field with them. So that's what is not great is that nobody nobody expected this this kind of result. So. And that's where I think Campbell says, you're not, this is not going to happen. I guarantee it. It's not going to happen again. You know, this, I don't know if he said this week or again, but probably again, I mean, I think he's going to realize, you know, Hey, when we're playing a good team, you know, we, we gotta be ready. We gotta be ready for their best shot. 
And this is, it's a fine balance, right? Because you kind of don't want to have your players buy into the hype too much. And they kind of have been hearing it in the locker room a little bit, you know, we can beat anybody, we can play with anybody, we can compete with anybody, all this stuff. It's good to have confidence. But when you're overconfident, it's dangerous. And this kind of thing can happen sometimes. But also, you know, that's where I don't know. I don't know with Campbell of how much he tells the players, you know, like, hey, you guys are good, but you're going to get everybody's best shot now. And you got to be ready for that. So there's a responsibility that comes with being good. It's all the, it's all the fun stuff and all the accolades and all the whatever players of the week and this and that. That's great. And it's okay, but you got to be ready. You know, every time you step into that ring, the little, you know, the little dude's going to try to knock you out, you know, like you got to be ready for that. And that dude's motivated. So be careful. And so I think he's, he's, he's not going to let something like this. And I, and I asked him about that. You know, did you think, were you surprised that these kind of blowout games were still in your system, you know, a year later? And, you know, and he, he said, you know, he, he was and he wasn't, but they can't, they can't get caught. So, you know, surprised like that again. No, and I don't, and I don't know that they will. I since they're not going to lose, but uh, yeah, they're going to be ready. The the detail, all those things you talked about, he, or Campbell talked about, and that and that we have talked about. I would be surprised to see that kind of performance again. The rest, the rest, at least the rest of the regular season. So again, not to say they're not going to lose a, a few more. They, they surely they are. They will lose two, three, maybe even four more games. Who, who knows at this point? But but we, I don't think we'll see that kind of. I don't want to say effort because. You know, Gamble was really intent on pointing out that they had plenty of energy and that that wasn't the issue. It was the focus and the detail. And we saw that in the, during the game, you know, guys kind of miscommunicating yeah. and pointing finger, right? So not knowing where to be. Baltimore did a great job of, of confusing them on both sides, the, confusing the defense and especially the offense, getting them all sorts of fronts and and then getting to the, getting the golf. But in any case, so Monday night, the Raiders come in. First Monday night game in a while. The last one didn't go so well, but uh, you and I will be there, and uh, the place would be would would be rocking. I would imagine, and it should be oh, fun. And yeah. in, in the meantime, oh, pardon me. Oh yeah, it'll be rocking for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, sorry, sorry. In the meantime, let's take a quick break, and come back and talk about uh, Michigan football and everything that's going on in Ann Arbor right now. And uh, yeah, I want to want to get your thoughts on that. All right, we'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson. Sean Carls, what the heck is going on in Ann Arbor? You got an undefeated team, number two ranked team in the country. It's supposed to be all good and and sunny. By the way, it's almost 80 degrees as we're recording this, or at least in the mid-70s. T-shirt weather. Here we are in late October. That feels great. The leaves are turning. The color's really beautiful. And yet we're talking about the guys video recording and opponents, you know, former former military folks that are video recording and spying uh, allegedly and stealing stealing signs allegedly and all and all this kind of I don't want to call it nonsense because I don't want to dismiss it because if it's true I think it's worse than recruiting violations to me it's it's actually quite serious you're you're trying to cheat the game if that's if that's true but what do you make of what's going on in the reports and what you've heard and seen so far I mean it's just you know part of it is just it feels like you know the the, the continuation of just a, yet another thing that happens under Harbaugh, you know, I mean, he, yeah, I think he said once about Urban Meyer, you know, like, you know, it's interesting or whatever that, that controversy seems to follow wherever he goes, you know, and Harbaugh isn't going anywhere, but controversy seems to follow him, you know, around an arbor, I guess, you know, and it's just always, it's just, it's just a, as a sports writer, he's the gift that keeps on giving because there's always something interesting. Maybe it's, it's really good or it's bad, but there's always something going on. For fans, I think it's exhausting. Probably you want to just be able to enjoy this ride, and that you know Michigan's tracking toward you know a national championship, and on the what the, the this is the what twenty fifth uh, anniversary, or uh, yeah twenty fifth right the last one, mm-hmm. and or no twenty sixth. I'm sorry, I'm, there, I'm a year be- year behind. I wish I was younger, but yeah, it's it's just a another thing, and and 
it didn't go so well last time, right? When he didn't cooperate fully with investigators and he's, he was got suspended and, you know, it's a, it's a shame. And whether this guy stallions was a rogue actor or someone was directing him to do this and, and to attend games in person and to, you know, steal their signs or to use recording devices, you know, whatever, that's not good. I mean, the thing about it to me, and I listen, I don't want to, I don't know anything, but to me, it seems like it's, I can't imagine somebody just doing this on their own without the knowledge of somebody in the program, whether that's Harbaugh or some, a lower level assistant or a coordinator, who knows? And maybe he did. Maybe he's just a complete rogue actor out there just going out on their own, on his own, trying to like do stuff and whatever, help the program whatever way and, and give people plausible deniability wherever you don't worry about it. You know, uh, you know, I, I would imagine there's a report out there that he went to 30. He bought tickets to 30 Big Ten games. Uh, I would imagine he tried to expense that and probably not eating it himself, but maybe, who knows? Um, but it's just not, it's, it's not a good look for the program. It's not a good look for Harbaugh. And I don't know. I mean, it, maybe maybe winning cures everything, Sean. Maybe that's just going to be forgiven because when he's Harbaugh's winning at such an unprecedented rate, you know, we're just going to have to kind of live with this. Uh, this kind of just the, the, these little twists and turns and and distractions, and you know, maybe it's nothing, maybe it's something, but uh, it's 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 a little exhausting, isn't it? No, it is, and and. Yeah, we, we we have no idea if they're guilty of anything or not. Harbaugh denies it, denied it in a statement, and said he had no knowledge and et cetera, et cetera. I am with you. It is possible the guy just was taking this on himself, but he was on the payroll, right? Yeah. And it's it's just it's it, it's a little it's a little hard to believe that he wasn't collecting information for somebody else right. who's tied to the program in some way. That doesn't mean Harbaugh knew, you know, and 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 maybe not. But it's just we're just look, and I I know we're not often in the business of speculation, but but at least at this point, it's you're right. It's it's not a great look, even though hey, we want to let pro- the due process play out. We all understand that the NCAA is going to do its thing, whatever else you think about the NCAA. But it also doesn't probably look good that what this has been going on for three years and it sort of lines up with Michigan's run of dominance. I'm not saying they're related at all, but I know there are a lot of people out there that look at that and, you know, are raising their eyebrows because of that, right? Yeah. This is the kind of thing. This is the kind of thing, unfortunately. Now, maybe Harbaugh had nothing at all to do with this or the top level of his staff, and it's just an unfortunate incident. But because... And look, I don't want to make too too big a deal about the recruiting issues. They were not they were not serious recruiting violations. But but the fact that he was tussling back and forth, I don't know. Maybe in his own mind, he was trying to take the high road with the NCA, and they accused him of lying and and all that. But the the, the fact that you're right, it's just he can't seem to to go. You know, and of course Saturday night after Michigan won, was it forty nine to nothing over Michigan State up in East Lansing? He was talking about. He didn't say there was a. He was asked if there was a target on his back, and he he agreed that he didn't offer that up. But he did offer up unsolicited that there were those out there trying to diminish the team. Now he mostly meant the schedule, but as but it was sort of a larger point. He was trying to make a larger point that you know people are trying to get after you. People are going. They'll always come after you when it's successful, and that's fine. He can say that. I, I suppose, but I don't know. I, I just, you're right. As long as they're winning, it's fine. But I just can't, I, I can't imagine that the university, the board, the president, other people high up in the university are enjoying the, what seems like the constant run of negative headlines. Well, yeah. I mean, to me, you know, the, the, the only thing, that, I mean, you know, maybe people are, are out to get the program or to, to, to embarrass them or whatever. But I mean, so many instances, right? The Mozzie Smith thing, the Matt Weiss thing, the Shemi Schembechler thing, you know, he didn't do himself any favors by not being as forthcoming with the NCAA investigators as he should have been. You know, he brought that upon himself. Now this thing, I mean, it's like at the very least, it speaks to sort of a, a lack of institutional control within your own program. You know, like you don't have a full tight 
grip on every single thing that's happening if you're allowing these things to keep happening, even if if you don't know about them. So so ignorance is your best defense, you know, like that's not great. That basically means you these are gonna these things are gonna keep happening because you don't have that kind of level of of strict strong control over your assistants, the people you're you know, who are in your program, who are the, the the support people. That has to change. And I don't know. I don't know how Carbot is as a an administrator and as a as a chief executive of if it's just like, hey, I'm just gonna be designing plays and and you know, whatever, talking to my players and making sure we know how to, you know, handle the red zone and third down. And I don't really care what these other guys are doing. I hire people, they hire people. And it's not up to me to control that. Um, unfortunately, in college, you know, you you have to do that. There, you have to be able. To, and he comes from the NFL, you know, where it was it was even a bigger, you know, production. You know, even more people to keep track of. And you know, the 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 the, the rules aren't the same, but still, you have to have control over the people that you uh, manage. And that's the question I have of how do you change this? You know, how, how, why does this keep happening? And how do you change it? Um, because just saying I had no knowledge of this is just not a great explanation. No, I, I, in the other, the other instances you mentioned, and I'm not somebody that likes to link, although I know there's some, and I'm not saying you were trying to do that. There are others that have, have done that. And I understand why they do it, especially if they have an agenda and not everybody does, but or it's just because it's easy to do it. But I, I don't link it all together. This one potentially and the recruiting violation, you know, stepping in and breaking some of the rules during COVID and, and doing some things they should not have done. Um, to me, these are a lot closer. Like Matt Weiss, uh, that's not Harbaugh's fault, right? So you, you know, who's hiring like these people? If you, but, if you had anybody but, but, else, if you, if you had people no. at, at the free press, if we had an editor at the free press and, you know, I get in trouble for doing something bad in my reporting. Then you get in trouble a few months later for doing something. And then someone else gets in trouble. You know, our editor is going to have to answer to their boss about like, why do you keep having this happen? Why do you keep embarrassing yeah, but the without, newspaper without, and without, corporation? Yeah, but we don't, have, we don't have the same scrutiny. And you and I both know without, you know, getting too insiders that, that, hey, every company has stuff like that, including ours. And it just does. So I don't hold Weiss against them at all because people like that get jobs. And I don't, I don't want to say people like that, but, but folks that have whatever issues can handle themselves in certain ways and get through. And then all of a sudden it leaks out and you find out things you didn't know about them. That happens at every company, every organization in this country. And I understand that. That, that to me, I don't know. He's only had one of those. I mean, Mozzie Smith, again, that's even different from Matt Weiss. Is it the player who made a mistake in terms of paperwork? Should he have been suspended? That's the argument, right? Maybe so. Maybe maybe he should have been suspended a game. Harbaugh clearly thought that the infraction, that he was on his way, he was not trying to fool anybody, and it didn't merit it. You can argue about that. You know, what, what, what was the third one? Um, um, oh, Shemek. Yeah, to me, that, to, to me, that's of the three, to me, that's the most egregious one, not betting him. Not betting. You're not betting these people properly. Even Weiss, you're not betting. You can't vet. How do you vet Weiss? You you don't vet somebody like that. Every organization has people come in like that. We have. I mean, right? Everybody has. So, so it's just, and I I don't. Yeah, to me, you can't vet that. The Schemeckler stuff, though, the information was out there. Like you can't vet what's in somebody's head, right? You know, whatever right. kind of proclivity they have, whatever kind of internal struggle, turmoil, you can't bet that. But you can <laughs> with Schembechler, right? You, you can. I mean, because the information's out there. So to me, they're not all the same. That, and, and that's separate from, but over the course of time, people do what you just did. I'm Again, I'm not saying you did that, but they lump it together. And it starts to add up to this overall picture of what what is going on. Well, I think problem. you should lump it together. Absolutely. I mean, it's like if you if you are in your job and you do one thing wrong and then you do something else that's wrong, that's not related to the same thing. You do something else wrong. Well, it's, it's not all the same thing, but it's it's a history, sort of a a consistent, you know, timeline or whatever you want to call it of these infractions of these mistakes. And at the end of the day, it's not that you it's you know, you don't have to have three strikes on the same thing and then you're out. It's just 
how how do these things keep happening? Why do they keep happening? And let's be honest, I mean, if he weren't winning, he'd be gone. He'd be gone if he wasn't winning. But he's winning at such an incredible rate. You know, a lot of that is forgiven. They're, the administration, you know, is has to turn a blind eye because what are they going to do? You know, he's holding all the cards. You know, he's going to be making... And he's making the championship run now. And if J.J. McCarthy, even if he leaves, you know, a lot of these backups are getting significant playing time because of these blowouts. That's going to help perpetuate a better team next year, too, even if they lose some of the, the top-tier talent. It's, it's kind of going to be a little bit of a factory that way if they keep going. So it's, you know, what are you going to... Unless he does something so egregious, right? Something really, really, you know, just against the law, then I think that this is what we're going to have. We're going to have this a program under Harbaugh where this is just going to keep happening. These kind of infractions are going to keep happening, and they're going to have to live with it. Well, I, I just want to say that of the, of the five things we're lumping together, and I don't like lumping them together. You do, that's fine. We disagree on that, and that's that's hey, that's okay. To me. If this is true with the latest, that's by far the worst thing. You know, it, it, <laughs> it, he didn't, like I said, it didn't have anything to do with Weiss. The Schembechler, they was just kind of lazy diligence. I mean, I don't want to call it lazy. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it's hard to dig up, uh, somebody's social media account from what, who knows? I mean, whatever. You can at least sort of understand that and the Mozzie Smith thing. You know, the whole cheeseburger being with COVID. Or being with recruits when you shouldn't have been having an extra coach on the field, I think, at one point, or maybe it was on Zoom and they were sort of given instruction when they should have been. There were a few things like that. But this, this goes against the competitive. I mean, if this is true, that's a different kind of advantage and it, it goes against the uh, integrity of the game, which I know is a phrase a lot of people are going to say, well, that's an oxymoron, right? <laughs> and you're sort of, that's, you're sort of setting yourself up there for that. But to me, this is, if this is true, this is a different level from any of those other things. Other, those other things, well, the last recruiting, but the first three things are just, it's an individual. It's an individual that, that had an issue of some kind. Weiss was a bit more than an issue. But, yeah, that, that's not institutional. But this, yeah. If this were true, Carlos, I mean, what, what's the, what, what kind of punishment are we talking about? What, what should happen if this is true, if he knew about it? Should he lose his job? <sighs> No, uh, no. I mean, I think what would the penalty be? That's the question. What, what kind of, you know, would he get a year? You know, would the program be punished? Would they be suspended? Would would they have to? <laughs> would they have to vacate wins? I mean, who knows? Absolutely. Who knows? To me, you know, to me, you'd need to vacate wins, and he just got three games for minor violations that haven't even been proven yet. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's a good question, Sean. I mean, I think that. You know, this is this is how we've usually thought about coaches like Urban Meyer in the past. You know, and it's it's it's. I think when you when you cheat the game, you're absolutely right. You know, I'm only lumping them in as so far as just it's a it's a it's a you know pattern of. I want I don't want to say behavior, but just the pattern of infractions that have happened, incidents that have happened under his watch. But this one. If it if it's all the president's men, if it's Watergate, you know, Spygate, right? I mean, if it's that, that's that's where that's where it becomes a different animal, and you get a lot more national heat for this is this is cheating, you know, cheating the game. You've played a lot of different teams. This is as close to almost as close to unforgivable within the sport as you can find, right? So, yeah, I don't know. Carlos, real quickly, you said national. It's not just ESPN, right? These were part of the national ABC, CBS broadcast news, right? I mean, No, I mean, just nationally. I mean, just from other every other program in the country, every other fan base. This story, right, but I'm saying this story jumped out of the sports pages. And into the, and in, in the news side nationally, the, no, the nobody cares. Nobody knows who Jim Harbaugh is. You know, if I watched it, I watched uh, Muir last week on ABC News. It, I mean, it must I have been a slow day because nobody no, no, cares. No, no. I had I had people. That's not true. I had people talking to me outside of sports who don't care about sports. What's going on? Because they'd heard about it 
on news sites, not sports sites, news sites, or seen it on on CNN or whatever. It, yeah, yeah, it, it might have been a slow that, day, which is weird with a war going on in Israel. But no, uh, because because it's 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 and in Ukraine speaks to something that it it speaks to. You start throwing around integrity. You start talking about stealing signs. It speaks. It's anti competition, right? And that's something that's near and dear to this culture, and whether it's sports or not. And that's what it spoke to a little bit. That's why it left off the sports pages last week. I mean, that, that's kind of, that's something. Whether it's true or not, again, we have no idea. It, 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 it may well not be. But there's a reason that it got a lot of interest last week. It's weird. I guess it's something that's more easily, more easily digestible to the lay public, the non-sports public is stealing signs, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to NCAA, mm-hmm. right. you know, level one, level two violations and whatever, you know, right. that like, what? right. And, no, exactly. You know, exactly. in-person recruiting. So yeah, uh, maybe it's easier to understand. And especially, you know, what a, it's not that long ago from the Astros, you know, sign stealing or, you know, cheating stuff, the, you know, what they were going through. So yeah, I guess that resonates in some way. Cheating, Spygate with the Patriots, all that. Stealing, um, so yep, those, those are, yep, yep, yep. That makes sense, I guess. But but yeah, I, I, it would be a very interesting question. And the thing with Harbaugh is you can always just pull the ripcord and go to the NFL and he's he'll be fine. So Michigan, you know, Ward Manuel and Santa Ono and these all these people, they have to, you know, the regents and all that, they, they have to know, they have to decide what's, you know, if there is any kind of, you know, link to Harbaugh in any way, how much are they willing to live with, you know? And I don't know. I mean, it's at the end of the day, let's, let's be real. They've looked, a, they looked a long time and waited a long time for a coach of Harbaugh's caliber to do what he's doing now. You know, all the rich rods and the, the Brady hoax and all the things that the, everything, you know, and you finally have the coach that you've always wanted and thought you should have and it's been it's it's a little bit of a of a rough road right now so i don't know i mean it i'm is. sure donations are up, no enrollments idea. up you know endowments up probably everything's up because of him i'm sure and, and and again let's reiterate nothing's been proven at least not publicly that that you know that we know of yet that there no report there's no finish to any of this and it may well be nothing like you said at the top of this segment a, a rogue actor so we're, we want to be fair here in, in that way and keep the keep the journalistic principles just because we're talking, you know, and, and we don't want to forget those just because we're, you know, rapping here in a podcast. So we'll let that play out. But we can obviously talk about what it looks like. And yeah, it's 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 a tough look. There's there's no there's no question. We, we deal in reality and, and we try to deal in truth. But there's also perception. And that is its own form of reality. I mean, that's somebody's reality. Right. And, and well, we already and that, saw, that and we saw, we saw it state, right? All the signs don't steal my sign, Jim. You know, he's, they're going to get that at Columbus. You know, it's, 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 they're going to get it at Penn State. It's going to be, even if it, even if there's nothing behind it, even if there's no merit, if it's just this Stallions guy doing his own stuff, whatever, you know, it's part of the lore now of you guys. They're going to be, you know, guilty in the court of public opinion you know, among their rivals. Yeah. That's how it goes until you're proven innocent, right? And even then, then sometimes it doesn't matter. But in any case, they are in the midst of a, a great season. They got a lot of talent, and we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. How they, you know, they, they got some games coming up this next month, so that should tell us a little bit more about who they really are, and that should be fun. And let's hope we can have some fun with that, and it doesn't all fall apart. At least for these kids on the student athletes. Sorry, on the student football athletes. Field. Athletes, All right, let's take pros, let's professional take, yeah. athletes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> let's take uh, one more quick break here. Yeah, they well, they are. One more quick break here, and we'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Show. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson. Sean Carlson, it's that time of the show. Let me hear it. What was your favorite thing? Mine is short and sweet, and I know you're going to steal it because I know uh, it was too. It's too easy. It's low hanging fruit. Uh, but my favorite thing, which you're going to, I'm sure it's you're going to be your favorite thing in some way, is being invited to your house to watch the game with your two boys. So this is the Lions game on Sunday, 
And it was tough. I felt bad for the boys. They were frustrated, as I'm sure all Lions fans were. But my favorite thing... You're 0 for 2, by the way. I'm 0 for 2 coming to watch the Lions at your house when the Lions are on the road playing a team that wears purple. So it's it's really me. If you really <laughs> want to blame somebody for this loss, yeah. I'm going to tell Coach Campbell it was it's really on me. I got to be better. Anyway, but my favorite thing was that Sean... As you know, you cooked up a storm. You made me eggs Benedict. You made a Dutch baby. You made Thank Sam you. A, a hot dog, a, chill, a coney dog, basically. <laughs> I don't know how we could eat it, but it was just food galore. But you made some guac, really wonderful guac. But my favorite thing was you made this amazing salsa and it jalapeno, tomato, uh, adobo chili, or no, it was a chipotle chili and adobo sauce. And you blend it all together, cilantro, maybe a touch of sugar, a little pinch of sugar. Depends on the tomato, but yeah, a little lime, a little onion. A little lime. And I, so I know, I know, I know you don't think I'm really Mexican, but I am, I promise you, I grew up. I would in, never say that. I, I grew up in LA, it. or as you call it, Palm Springs, but in a Mexican well, household, call where, Phoenix. Where, there was salsa, homemade salsa all the time. And I have to say, this is the best salsa I've ever had in my life. And I've been to Mexico. I've been to Mexico. Oh my I've been there. I've had my grandmas, my aunts, my moms. I've eaten a lot of Mexican food in my day. Mostly at Taco Bell, probably in Palm Springs, as you would you know, categorize it. But, but I've had a lot, Sean. And this was, and I, I, you gave me the recipe. I'm going to try to duplicate it. It's going to take a while before I get it right. And, and you know, like, yeah, try to get it as close time. as yours. But I, and I gave I some, I brought you, you gave me a little extra the other day. We saw each other at the Lions on Monday. You brought me a little container and I brought it home. And I told my wife, Janice, who she loves hot food and everything too. I said, you got to try this. And she was like, yep, it's pretty damn good. But to me, it is, I'm not kidding you, it is the best salsa I've ever had. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you very it much. Did you try the pot roast? Did you try the pot roast? I have not tried the pot roast yet. It's, I didn't, I couldn't have lunch at home today, but tomorrow I will. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Okay. Yeah, good. It's just, just a little taste, as we like to say. <laughs> no, I'm not going to steal. My favorite thing was not the salsa. I, I do enjoy the salsa. I like making uh, scrambled eggs and putting that very salsa on scrambled eggs. Mm. It's a it's a, it's a very good breakfast, and it's really simple. Uh, to, if you if you do like scrambled eggs, no. But my favorite thing was sort of the same. was It was great to have you over. I, my my boys really enjoy your your wit and your you know kind of eye that's askew on the sports world, and <laughs> and the, the, they the contrary, and they they enjoy that, and they enjoy your humor, and it was fun for them to have you over. They did not enjoy the whipping, the the, the beat down. <laughs> I should say. Sorry, I don't want to say whipping beat down the thirty eight to six. But they really enjoyed having you over. They're used to that kind of food. So, you know, that's not that big a deal to them. Privilege. um, I know a lot of people say that to them when they come over here and eat. They're like, but the the truth is, that's when we're cooking for people. We don't, we used to cook every night, you know, when they were little. And we had the table, family dinner at the table and so forth. And that was important to us to to do that. But these days, you know, it's just you mix in carry out, you do something that's simple, you know, you make a grilled cheese and a box tomato soup. So we don't quite cook like we used to that way. But but no, in any case, it was it was nice to have you over. Thank you again for the Washington Dairy Donuts. For those of y'all that are not Michigan fans or not been to Ann Arbor, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug uh I'm gonna plug the Washington Dairy. You know, the lines are out the door for their ice cream. It's I think it's Stroh's ice cream in the summer. When my boys were little, they loved the Superman flavor. But but my favorite thing at that dairy are those donuts. And oh, yeah. and the older guys, I'm creeping up on being one of them these days. But <laughs> when I was in my 20s, I'd go in there back when you you know you read your paper in print and get a, get a cup of coffee. It's old school coffee, nothing fancy. And read the paper and get a couple of those donuts, which they make themselves. They're really good. They're cake donuts. They're fantastic. And by the way, just to clarify for the for the listener out there, the Sam, Sean's kids are, the boys are in their 20s. So they're not little kids. <laughs> but it was, I also especially no, enjoyed, not. it was the the dichotomy of, of Sam was was clinging to hope, man. He was like, we, listen, listen, we're down to whatever it was, 24, nothing or whatever. Like, listen, yep. okay, we, we score here at the end of the second quarter. We get the ball in the second half. He was like the eternal optimist. I loved it. But Jake's like looking at him saying, 
what gives you any hope that anything's going to change? What have they done? What have they done, Sam? <laughs> Watching that, I felt so. No, it, was, just, it was funny, but I felt I felt bad for for Sam, like trying to hold on to any little ember of hope. Yeah, Jake. Jake said it was over after the second touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> which he which which he was which right. He was right. Yeah. No, they're they're both they're both optimistical, but yeah, they're in their their early the early twenties, and they they made the trip. Well, Sam did, you know, he made the trip over because you were coming, right? So that 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 was oh. fun because he he's you know we see he lives he lives not too too far from here, but so he come we see him some, but that so that was nice too. We, yeah. I got to hang out with my boys. I don't I don't get to do that very often, so that that was fun too. I mean, obviously you were the main draw, and I've got no problem admitting <laughs> that. But but no, that was fun. All right. Let's let's thank uh, some people, Carlos, and, and and get you on out of here, and get Robin on out of here. We'll start with thanking Robin Chan, the producer who makes this happen. Let's thank Kirkland Crawford, the sports editor, Anjanette Delgado, the editor Nicole, He's executive Avery, editor, Nicole, executive editor. God, I, I no another I'm, I'm fraction. See, these are piling up. That's, changing of the the nomenclature, or whatever they changed the the title structure. After 70 years of newspaper, you know what I mean? But that, that's what, okay. Now I sound like you. I get Readers love change. Yeah, yeah. And Nicole Avery Nichols, who, who runs the whole paper. Let's just say that, you know. She's the, the editor, boss. yes. Yeah, she's the editor. Anjanette Delgado is the executive editor. We did not mention her name earlier in the podcast. Hopefully we won't get in trouble with that. Mostly want to thank uh, you, the listener. Carlos, where can we where can we find this podcast? You can find it on any CompuServe uh, website, MySpace, Zoom. Uh, players. No, you can find it on Spotify, Apple, anywhere you find your podcast. If you're listening to this, you've already found it. Why are we telling you? We're in Exactly. We're not. Yeah, that's something that podcast people want us to say. We don't need to say that anymore. But what we really need to say is when you, you know, when you find us and you, you don't listen to us or even before, give us a rating, subscribe. Tell us what subscribe. you think. Jot, jot, jot your thoughts down. That's what we're really trying to tell you. Because Absolutely. obviously, yeah, you guys are more technically proficient than we are. What do you mean? Where you find your podcast? You're right. We're already here. All right, man. It's been fun. Thanks again for making time. We'll do it again uh, next year. Well, who knows? Next you know what? year. I actually, next week. I actually, next week. I actually enjoyed that. Uh, and I'm going to propose to our editor, Kirkland Crawford, that if they make the playoffs this year, you and I get to watch it at my house. I'll cook for you. And we'll, we'll write that way. You know what I mean? Cool. We'll let we'll let the and the boys will come. We'll let you know Mitch Album and Jeff Seidel and Oh, we're Edward not going to go to the playoff call. game. They can all go to the playoff game. You come over here and I'll cook and we'll watch the playoff game. Oh, I'm sure that'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. They're hosting a home playoff game for the first time ever. Yeah, well, Sean and I are going to be hanging at his, we're going to be playing his pinball machine or whatever. And we'll write from here. Wouldn't that be great? That would be. I I think, well, I vote for that. I I second the vote. Tell me what Kirk says. (laughs) Yeah. Anjanette right now has like, she's filing the like, you know, you know, termination papers for us. Termination right now. papers. Okay. Okay. Didn't, All didn't right, my only man. mention me twice and now they want to stay home for the playoff game. Oh yeah. Well, you know, that's how it goes. All right. Good to see you. And we will talk together and with y'all next week when we return with more free press sports with Carlson Sean. Mm-hmm.